Welcome to Financial Education for Nation. My name's Warren Shute and I'm here today to talk to you about the 2020 Gold Rush. This episode has been sponsored by IDELO, the price comparison website. So what I mean, 2020 gold rush, you must have read it everywhere. So gold is on the rise. Gold isn't just something that we like to wear, nice and shiny. It's an investment commodity. Investors buy gold with the expectation of appreciating in price. And it's topped $2,000 an ounce. Now, last time it did that was back in 2011, just after the financial crisis. So is there something else to read into that or not? I'm not sure. So... In 2020 alone, gold has appreciated 30%, 3-0, and that followed gains in 2019 of 19%. So there must have been something sort of going on pre-COVID to worry investors about what's happening with the price of gold and what's happening with the economy in general. Okay, So why? Why those gains? What's going on? Um, what's causing it to go on like that? What's causing gold to increase in value? Um, global interest rates are global interest rates are hist- historically low. Um, they are um, virtually less than one percent all over the all over the world. I think Russia's a bit higher, and there's a, probably China's a little bit higher as well. Um, you have negative interest rates in some countries, so what that means is money on deposit is not yielding you any return. But more than that, loans through um, government, central b- banks, treasury. Um, European Central Bank, Bank of Japan, that kind of thing, they're also yielding historically low rates. So where you would have originally held your money there as a safe haven, you're getting no or little return there. And actually, your risk is against you in those investments as well, particularly long-duration investments, um, because if and when interest rates rise, they will go against you. Not that gold can't go against you either, but they're going to go against you. So investors are looking at gold as a safe haven, um, something to be a bit more um, risk adverse, really. Um, it's less volatile. So gold isn't particularly as volatile. It, it, don't get me wrong, it can go down in value. So don't think it only goes up, but it's not really all over the place. Um, so it's less volatile. And in a very uncertain world that we're in at the moment, both health with the pandemic and also politically with the likes of um, America and China trade tariffs, and um, the Brexit things that are going on with the UK and uh, Europe and the economic stimulus and all the debt. It's an uncertain world. Investors seek certainty. We all like certainty. As human beings, one of our six human needs, we like certainty. We like what's, we need to know what's going to happen with a reasonable degree of accuracy. That's why we drive down the road and allow another car to come straight at us on the other side of the road. With a reasonable amount of accuracy, we expect that car to stay on that side of the road. That's why we like it. Um, a weak dollar makes gold valuable. So gold is valued in dollars, so it tends to work in correlation with the US dollar. So what's happening in the States kind of happens with the uh, with the gold price as well. So that's having another effect. All these things are mounting up. It's having another effect. Um, inflation is a concern. We've had such huge economic stimulus globally. I don't think we ever have had it on such a level that we're having it right now. 
um, that money's got to go somewhere. So remember, um, one person spending is another person's earnings. Uh, that's going to have a cycle effect. And when the gold, sorry, when all the uh, money's invested into the economy, if that money then is not used to mop up lack of um, spending, then potentially we can have an increase in inflation. And in, in, in although we don't see it immediately, that is something that a lot of economists are concerned about right now globally is, is a rise in inflation. So that's having another um, boost with gold because obviously inflation picks up, gold's going to pick up too because it's a safe haven of what's going to happen. Um, and then finally, it's a supply and demand thing. You know, uh, all the um, easy to mine gold has been mined uh, and now you've got to dig a lot deeper and go a lot harder to get uh, more gold out and people when they buy jewelry don't regularly or frequently sell that jewelry or melt it back down to really go back into the supplies train they tend to retain it and gold is also being used in technology so for example in sat navs as well so there's a lot more demand for gold these days so there's lots of things saying you know the economy's uncertain there's possible inflation it's pegged to the dollar um it's a safe haven it's not so volatile um, the supply and demand, um, you know, gold's going up, you know, and I, I think if I were to pick one thing out of that whole list, my, um, my response really would be it's a safe haven. We saw it in 2007-2008 um, when investors are worried they go to safe assets. Safe assets generally are um, central bank government bonds, so treasuries or gilts um, and gold. And um, we're certainly seeing the flight to safety uh, on that. So should you buy gold? Now, this is a really, 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 really interesting thing because gold technically is not an investment. Gold is not an investment. It's a commodity. So the difference between the two is an investment will produce you something. Where it would either generate you an interest, uh, an income, um, or some kind of profits. So I'll give you some example, a buy-to-let property you class as an investment because you own it and it generates you rental income. It's an investment. Um, a company or a share um, is an investment because you would hope you own it and it would produce you a dividend. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. A, a government bond is an investment because you hold it, it pays you a coupon, it pays you an in interest payment um, every couple of every six months. So what's gold? Gold doesn't really produce you anything. So gold is a commodity. And commodities work on supply and demand. If there's a big demand for something, people want it. There's lots of price going after it, and therefore the price goes up. And that's what we're seeing right now. But hey, once there's more certainty and people are less worried about global um, economic concerns, inflation, uh, the pandemic, maybe gold will pull back again. Maybe gold, and I always say maybe rather than it will, because when we talk about the future, nobody knows. And that's one thing to um, remember. No one really knows um, when we talk about the future, what's actually going to happen. It's only their opinion about what's going to happen. And that opinion is based on their own life experiences and what they've read. So should you buy gold? If you were going to add gold to your portfolio, you would probably add no more than 10%. Um, it's hard for me to say no, because some of the greatest investors, Ray Dalio being one of them, holds gold in some of their portfolios. Um, but, you know, you, gold has underperformed the equity markets over a long period of time. So if I was investing for my retirement, I invest for my retirement, um, and I invest for my children, 
I don't really add gold to that portfolio. I've got a slither of gold, but that's it. It's more out of interest more than anything else. Um, when oil prices crashed, um, I bought um, uh, an oil ETF. It's more of an interest. I have a, a core portfolio and then satellite. So 80% of my money is invested in a uh, index passive funds, globally diversified with very um, weighting source, small cap and value. And then on the outliers of that, I like to have a bit of enjoyment, a bit of fun. And that's where I might put a bit of gold or a bit of oil or something. So for one, one thing, we have a fascination for gold as um, the general public. Would I make it the lion's share of my portfolio? If I hadn't invested, would I buy it? Absolutely not. Um, it's interesting to watch and what's going on. Um, if you have a reasonable size portfolio, 100 plus thousand pounds, and you're considering, should I add gold? Maybe no more than 5% in that circumstance maximum. If you're a, a big investor, you've got maybe over a million pound invested, you could probably go a little bit higher. But really, if I'm honest, your long-term growth is going to come from um, passive index funds, globally diversified, rather than trying to take sector weights or bets um, against what might happen or might not happen. We don't know. But we do know that over the long term, the capital markets, the stock markets generally give us a positive return. So five things you may not have known about gold. Um, gold has captured us for as long as we can ever remember. And uh, it, it's pretty impressive when you see a nice bit of gold. And uh, I'm always sort of uh, sometimes excited or looking inquisitive about buying a bar of gold or something. I have never done it and I won't do it. Um, it's just out of interest. And I won't do it because it's not an investment. Um, that's really the main reason behind it. But five things you don't know about gold. There's over 187,000 tonnes of gold have been mined since civilization has began. So 187,000 tons of gold has been mined since civilization began. Um, that's just amazing. That blew my mind how much gold there is actually out there. Um, in the US, Fort Knox is the largest store of gold with 4,600 tons held there over in the US. So the US have 4,600 tons of gold in Fort Knox. That's why you get the expression safe as Fort Knox. Um, the UK, as a comparison, have 310 tonnes of gold. And I think from memory it was Gordon Brown who sold off um, a lot of our gold reserves. I think they were higher than that. Um, and then he sold off some of, his, of our gold reserves. Now, people might say, oh, but the gold price when he sold it off was this and now it's this. He missed out that opportunity. Um, but I guess the question is, what do we do with the gold? What did he do with that money? So I'm not going to do with the gold. What did he do with that money when he sold the gold? So he sold the gold. He got the cash in. What did he do with it? Now, that money might have been used to produce something and got a much better return. We don't know. Um, or might have just gone on to pay the bills, which is not good. Never use your capital assets, your assets to pay income. OK, sorry. Never use your capital assets to pay expenditure. Never supplement income from capital like that um, unless you're on a decumulation phase. In other words, unless you're in retirement, you're going to spend the rest of your money um, through your retirement years. And the reason being is if you spend capital to cover income, you will run out of capital and therefore you'll then have your income, your expenditure to pay. You, know, you really need, need to have an income to pay for expenditure. Sorry if I'm getting a bit blubbery today. It's really hot in this studio. Um, I'm in my office and I've had to turn the air conditioner off so the um, audio is a bit clearer. Um, but I'm sweating. It's hot. But we'll do our best. We'll do our best. Um, about half of all gold mined today is made into jewellery. 
Um, and I understand the Asians, particularly the uh, Indians, are very big on um, gold jewellery uh, for weddings and gifts. In fact, I have a gold Chinese ring when I went to Hong Kong when I was younger. And I bought it. It's 24 karat gold and it's very soft, uh, which is fascinating. Yeah, really interesting. Um, the largest gold coin ever made was made by the Perth Mint in Australia in 2012. And it measures 80 centimetres across. So... If you're watching this on on uh, YouTube, that's pretty big. That's almost a meter. That's huge, uh, and it weighs an incredible one ton. Uh, it, a, I don't understand that. Yeah, it was just done for, done for fun, surely. But um, hey, <laughs> gold is a commodity. It's not an investment. Um, it's up. It is probably all time high at the moment. So, do we buy assets when they're high or low? We buy them when they're low. Um, yeah. It's interesting, but I wouldn't go rushing out to buy gold if I were you. Let's move on. Let's go on to a couple of other things that we've got in the news today. Any due bills are set to tumble to around £100 uh, for 11 million households this winter, thanks to record low energy uh, market prices this year. And also the regular Ofgem is cutting its cap on standard dual fuel energy prices. So about £100 saving. Fantastic. What are you going to do with that money? That's the idea. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, second thing, this is really good news. When I heard this, I absolutely loved it. Millennials are increasing the interest in savings and investment. Um, a couple of surveys out there say about 250% year-on-year increase of opening personal pensions and ISAs uh, for the 25 to 35-year-olds, uh, which I thought was fantastic. Um, 69% of millennials with a portfolio were actively growing it. Uh, compared to 29% of baby boomers. Well, it's great to get the headlines, isn't it? But come on, let's face it. If you're a baby boomer, you are now late, mid-60s at best, going into your 70s. You're not growing your portfolio because you're living on it and you're decumulation phase. I mean, essentially, using your capital to support your lifestyle. You're enjoying life. So I understand that. And there's a percentage of baby boomers there who are still growing it because they're very wealthy. They can afford to. Um, but to hear 69% of millennials uh, with a portfolio were actively growing it is absolutely amazing. It's really good. And um, next week, I hope I'm going to have an interview with a 13-year-old about children and money. So let me give a plug out for that right now. I'm on a bit of a mission to help people make better money decisions. Okay. And I thought, what better age group to start with, with the, with the youngsters? So I've got a 13-year-old coming into the studio next week, and he's going to ask, so I've asked him to prepare 10 questions about money. I won't see them. Hopefully I know the answers. And it's basically, hey, what do you need to know? What do you want to know? What will make you make better decisions with money so that when you are working, which will be roughly, what, between 5 and 10 years' time? Yeah, okay, depending on what they do with their career. Um, it's a great time right now to start planting seeds. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. A couple of readers' questions in uh, this week. Uh, the first one comes in. It says, how can I protect my house deposit my parents gave me if my partner and I split up? So the background behind this is a couple were buying a house together. Um, the majority of the deposit for the house purchase came from one of the partners. Uh, it was a gift from her parents, and she wanted to protect it. She said, hey, look, you know, um, I'm being sensible here. I'm, this relationship may not work out. How can I protect it? The easiest way to protect a deposit on a house is through what we call a deed of trust, also called a declaration of trust. Um, a deed of trust basically is a legal uh, document. Um, it's drafted up by your solicitor or your conveyancer when you're doing your legal work. 
um, and they will document in there how much has been gifted and what the terms of that gift are. Now, in the event of a separation or on sale, um, that has to be repaid. Bef it's repaid after the secured lending, so the mortgage is repaid first, and then that needs to be repaid, and any equity then is then divided between the owners. Um, and I've got first-hand experience with this myself. My wife, Nikki, and I bought our first house back in 1995, and her parents were very generous and kindly uh, lent us some money to um buy the first house i think we lived in that house for about five years when we come to sell it this list was like who's this john guy who we need to pay him some money back i'm like what did you hear about where did that come from and he explained it to me and i was like oh of course i understand that so it was done for a deed of tough so before that money could have been paid back to us secured lending is always paid first and then that's basically second in line um deed of trust is paid so in other words this money would go back to the the lady's parents and then whatever's left is then split between the couple. Very common, very easy to do. Um, second question, I've defined benefits pension, which I can claim, but I'm still working. Should I defer it or should I take it? Okay, this is really interesting because I hear this an awful lot. Um, defined benefit pension schemes that might kick in at 60 or 62, 63, but the individual size to carry on working till 65, 67, 68, something like that. Or I've had clients work into their 70s, not because financially they needed to, but because they've enjoyed working. Um, and <clears throat> what, I, what I generally do is a simple cash flow. So I say, okay, um, take the pension now, and then your pension tends to revalue increase every year by inflation. So just increase that and look at the cumulative figures going across um, along the top. Um, and then second low line below, defer it. Now, when you defer it, you get a late retirement enhancement. So you're going to start with a higher pension, which is often like um, an attraction. So, well, I'm going to defer this. I'll take the higher pension. So you defer it and then you see what's going along every year. And then when you start paying, you then that higher pension increases in line with inflation. Um, what we then do is add up the cumulative um, pensions that you receive. Uh, we often deduct income tax for it to give it a bit more real, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and for most people, you're in your 80s before you start breaking even on deferring. So what I tend to say to people is you have an opportunity here to take your pension, carry on working. You can increase your pension contribution so your tax liability doesn't get out of kilter because you might be a basic rate and this might put you into a high rate for example um, and then when you do decide to finish earning money you've then got this pot uh, pension pot that you can access flexibly um, and draw it down and you've still got your defined benefit pension carrying on so although this isn't a specific advice it's basically this is a complex area and definitely warrants a visit to a certified financial planner um, to see what they would have to say about it. And you can find them on um, wayfinder.com or is it .org? I think it's .org. But go to warrantshoot.com. There's a link on there um, in the show notes and um, we're pointing in the right direction. So remember, um, I do answer all questions. I don't answer all questions online or air, uh, but I do answer all questions. So send them through to me at um, warren at warrantshoot.com or on social media at warrantshoot. So... The smarter spender. The smarter spender is really come about that I don't feel that spending money is bad. I feel that spending other money is bad. Other people's money is bad, i.e. credit cards, not paying the credit cards off. So if you get spend on a credit card and they get hit with an interest rate payment, I think that's stupid. That's just silly. 
unless you're in financial difficulty and you can't afford to pay it, which I respect and I understand. But you know, if you have money and you're just spending on credit cards and then you're allowing interest rate to interest to accumulate, you might as well just literally go outside and give money to people in the street. It's no, it doesn't make any sense, okay? So spending money isn't bad, but spending money you don't have is bad. So the Smarter Spender section come from trying to get your pounds to stretch further so you've got a little bit more money um, to go a bit further to buy other things you might enjoy. Paddling pools this week are 30% cheaper, 36% cheaper than last week. And do you know what? <laughs> With two big lights here and an office that must be now approaching, I've got a temperature gauge in here, 42 and a half degrees, okay? I need the swimming pool, so I might get one of those for myself. Pressure washers, uh, they're down 27%. Headphones down 10, printers down 12. Road bikes, yeah, down 18. If you can get one. Can you get a road bike? I want to buy a road bike for my son and my daughter. Um, for love nor money, everywhere seems to be sold out. So if you can get a road bike, um, they're there. Also, in, remember, um, the government have got that um, benefit that you can get um, £10 servicing. I think um, the vouchers are out, but um, there is a um, £10 all servicing your bike if you already have a bike. And toy action figures are down 9% cheaper than last week. So, um, yeah, go along to idelo.co.uk and check out the site, download the wrap. It works a treat, honestly. Um, greenhouses. Um, we think that, uh, Idelo, should I say, think that people will be buying greenhouses this week. I think a lot of people have got into the garden over lockdown, um, growing their own veg. I know my wife and I, well, my wife actually, uh, bought a vegetable truck. And we've got marrows and all sorts of things growing in there, which is great. I love it. I don't have time to care for it as much as I would hope to, um, but certainly that'd be something on my list to do when I get older, no doubt. But um, yeah, greenhouses, yeah, I can see that. I wouldn't want to go in one today. It's like I said, 42 degrees in here, so it'd be ridiculous in there. And they think, <laughs> it's not rocket science, Idealo, come on. They think fans and air conditioners are going to be big sellers this week. No way. <laughs> but yeah, I've got an air conditioner over there. So as soon as I hit stop on this recording, that is going straight back on. And I'm like, to cool myself down at 42 degrees, I deserve it. But hey. You know, it's important to stay cool. But go over to idelo.co.uk, check out their site. And um, when you buy, it's not good for things like, you know, you're going to buy some hair shampoo or something like that. But if you're going to buy a barbecue or a computer or I don't know, whatever, you're going to buy an air conditioning unit. I actually ran my air conditioning units through it before I bought them um, and made sure I got the best price. Um, it is really good. It works out. And the, the, the purpose for this, okay, the outcome behind this is that you have a fixed amount of money, your wham. Okay, if you're running the bank account system, you've got your bills account, which cover all your bills. Then every week on a Wednesday, you pay yourself across roughly about 30% what you bring in, and that's your wham. Sorry, don't pay 30% a week across, um, but you pay 30% a month, you pay it weekly. Uh, that's your wham, and then from your wham, you spend all your variable spend, expenditure item, and you know, buying something like an air conditioning or something like that would be on there. Um, so it's just about making sure that wham stretches as far as it can. Um, I hope this is a bit of interest. Um, this is the money planner. I like to um, give you as much information I can and help you make smarter investment decisions. If it means you avoid jumping into the gold rush, then so be it. Um, but it's interesting to know why it's going up. And if you're in conversation, you understand a little bit more about it. Um, please send me your questions. It makes um, enjoyable reading for me, and I do enjoy it. And uh, until next time, stay safe, and I'll speak to you next week. Bye.